Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Welcome back to the Summit for Wellness podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about neurofeedback, which is a way to produce positive changes in your brain's bioelectrical activity. And our guest today, just like a lot of us practitioners, have found their way into becoming a health practitioner via um, their own health journey. And back in 2008, she was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease in which conventional medicine didn't have uh, an effective way to treat the actual condition. So then she took it upon herself to study the alternative methods to healing in order to improve her own condition. And this led to her becoming a nutritional therapy practitioner and has studied applied kinesiology, hair tissue mineral analysis, and neurofeedback. Please welcome Katie Packwood. Hi. How are you, Katie? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So can you talk to us a little bit about your autoimmune uh, disease and what you have done differently than what conventional medicine would typically do for it? Uh, sure. Um, and this is actually what led me to becoming a nutritional therapist. I think it was about eight, so around 2008, um, I got a haircut and the gal cutting my hair said, did you know you have a huge bald spot on the back of your head? And I was like, no, I did not know this. <laughs> so sure enough, I had a big bald spot back there. And so for about a year and a half, I went to different doctors, dermatologists, and I'm like, what is going on? Why am I losing my hair? And they said, oh, it's called alopecia. And I'm like, okay, so what do I do about this? And Basically, long and short story, after seeing several different doctors over about a year and a half, um, and the bald spots, they kept like like roaming around my head, like hair would fall out, and then hair would grow back, and then I'd get a new bald spot, and it, kind of like the whole back of my head was bald um, when I was seeing doctors, and I was just really frustrated because they had no answers, and they basically said, well, you can take steroids, and you know we don't know why you have this. There's really nothing you can do. Um, and then actually in 2010, um, I had some mercury fillings taken out and within six weeks of that, tons of my hair was falling out, um, literally by the handful. So I was like about 70% bald at that point and feeling pretty desperate. So I did have to wear wigs for about a year and a half. And at that point, I was pretty much done with conventional medicine and had started reading a lot of books. And um, I actually found the Nutritional Therapy Association through um, the book Primal Body, Primal Mind by Norma by Nora Gedgaudis. And ironically, she's a neurofeedback practitioner as well. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I just, I was frustrated that they had no answers for me and I knew there were things I could do or there was probably a reason why I had this happening to me. So um, can you go a little bit more into detail? Like, do you know how many people around the States have alopecia or is it very common? Um, you know, I'm working with several people who have it. It seems like I'm kind of a magnet for other people with alopecia. Um, but really, all autoimmune illnesses are essentially the same at the root cause, which is leaky gut, um, too many toxins, um, overgrowth of, you know, fungus and things like that in the, that stress out the immune system. So um, I don't really know how many people have it, um, but it is probably more emotionally traumatizing um, 
to people than a lot of other illnesses. And actually, and I'm glad my illness was visual because I don't think I would have taken it as seriously if I had like Hashimoto's or um, rheumatoid arthritis or something else that just caused pain. Um, I actually had to look at my bald head every day in the mirror and it was pretty sobering. Um, so kind of some of the things I did to work on it was just the basic things we learned at NTA, working on my gut, um, eliminating foods like gluten and dairy and sugar, um, taking nutrients. I was really depleted in a lot of things. I was, I had a heart murmur. My feet were going numb like multiple times a day. My hands and feet were freezing all the time. Um, and a lot of those things have improved and my hair did grow back. It took about 18 months of really, really working on things. I have obviously had mercury toxicity too, which was a huge portion of it getting worse. It wasn't what caused it, but it definitely caused it to become a lot worse. Yeah, and I was going to say a lot of fungus typically feeds on uh, heavy metals within the body. So I was going to ask if you thought the mercury had a uh, big factor in that. Um, yeah, you know, it took me a couple of years to connect those dots about the mercury. I actually worked in a dental office. I was uh, kind of the <laughs> front end manager of a dental practice. And um, so I was probably exposed to mercury in the air there every day that I was at work for three and a half years, but it was really after I had two mercury fillings taken out of my own teeth. And it took me a couple of years. I had to go back and look at the dates of the service. And then when my hair started falling out, like just literally by the handfuls. And it was really within six weeks of having that done. So I'm pretty convinced that mercury had a big part in me developing my autoimmune in the first place. Cause I had those fillings since I was 12, but then also it getting so bad, I think was really exacerbated by having those fillings taken out. Um, I mean, my dentist did it properly according to, you know, the American, the ADA, but he didn't do enough protection for me considering I had a compromised immune system. Yeah. And there's a lot of dentists now that specialize in that type of removal. And I think they're called biological dentists. Um, yeah, and I did have my other two fillings taken out by someone who did a much better job of protecting me. And at that point, I had done a lot of foundational work to protect myself and make myself you know, less susceptible to being overwhelmed by the mercury. But I'm still detoxing mercury. I do regular hair tests on myself, and I'm, I'm still dealing with a lot of mercury toxicity. So it's nothing you can get rid of really quickly. Um, kind of takes a sustained effort. So uh, after your studies to become a nutritional therapy practitioner, you you studied some of the applied kinesiology, the hair tissue mineral analysis, which is how you're testing yourself for your mercury levels and whatnot. Uh, what brought mm -hmm. you into neurofeedback? You know, it's kind of interesting because I ask myself that question a lot. Um, it definitely was not something I was looking for. Um, I went to a conference about a year and a half ago um, with Dr. Klinghart. And it was his applied psycho psychoneurobiology class. And there was a um, there were a lot of vendors there. Well, not a lot, like maybe five. And it was a three-day class. And there was a vendor there with neurofeedback equipment. Her name is Denise Hedrick. And I just kind of connected with her. I did not understand it at all. I was thinking, why are computers here? This isn't really like holistic health. <laughs> you know, to me, computers just don't seem like they fit. And so she, you know, explained it to me and I didn't really get it. And, but I just found myself kind of drawn to her and, and this kind of process. And 
after I left the conference, I just kept thinking about it. And it was about a month later, I decided I'm going to do this. And, you know, neurofeedback is amazing. It's also kind of expensive. The equipment is not really cheap. It was like buying a car. And I put it on my American Express card (laughs) that I had a really great um, 0% interest deal for like 18 months. And I, I got the equipment and I, and then once again, I was like, wow, what did I do? I have no idea what this is. And actually now a year plus later, I, I actually feel like I know why I bought this equipment. Um, I feel, I felt like really intuitively drawn to it, not only to help my clients, but also for needs within my own family, um, that have really significantly been helped by getting into this. So can you talk about what exactly neurofeedback is? Sure. Um, So neurofeedback, essentially, probably the easiest way to explain it, is it's guided, intense brain training. So it's sort of like sending your brain to boot camp. And um, all of us have, you know, our brain is electrical, and the distribution of power in our brain has a lot to do with how we feel. So um, the system that I have is a EEG neurofeedback, which means you can do an EEG of the brain, which measures all the electrical activity in certain parts of the brain, and then maps it out. And the map really does correlate to people's symptomology, you know, if they're feeling depressed or anxious or have um, learning disabilities or been in a car accident, you can absolutely see these things show up in the pattern Um, the electrical pattern in their brain. And then once you have that information and you can see where the brain is either running too overpowered in certain frequency bands or too underpowered in other frequency bands or in different parts of the head, um, you can basically work to influence the brain to balance itself more by discouraging the overpowered parts, you know, getting them to come down in power and then um, getting the underpowered parts to come up in power. So is there different like patterns with neurofeedback? Like if someone comes in with, um, let's say depression, do they typically have the same, um, needs when it comes to their neurofeedback protocol or is everybody different? Uh, well, everybody is unique and the EEG is measuring the activity in, five different regions of the head. And so someone with depression, um, there are certain patterns like alpha asymmetry. Um, when people have overpowered alpha on the left side of their head, more so than on the right, they tend to feel depressed. So, you know, for one person that may be more in the front of their head for another person, more, maybe more in the back of their head. Um, but the overall feeling is depression. So it is very individualized when you have a brain map on someone, then you know exactly which part of the head you're going to work on. And when you start working on one part of the head, the entire brain starts to reorganize. It's, um, it's pretty amazing how just giving the brain some guided direction can really make some huge changes happen in the brain. Can you go over a couple different um, conditions that you would use neurofeedback for? Obviously, we know depression is one. 
Yeah, you know, I hate to say it's like a panacea, but it really does work on so many different things. Because if you think about it, I mean, the brain is really involved in everything. And this brain's connection to the central nervous system is, you know, obviously connected to everything else in the body. And this was kind of how um, I've been using it as an, a nutritional therapist over the years working with people. I mean, I always ask on the intake paperwork about mental health and if they have anxiety or depression or, um, you know, OCD and other things like that. And I've just heard over the years so many of my clients telling me I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I don't sleep, um, you know, I had a bad childhood, all sorts of different things. And um, doing neurofeedback has really been a way for me to close the loop on a lot of these people. I mean, obviously, as you probably know, when you start working on people's diet and you start healing their gut and you work on their blood sugar, they do start to feel better emotionally. Um, and I've made some, you know, helped some people with some pretty big changes just by working on those things. But I've had a couple of those people, you know, want to go a little further. Um, and I've had several clients who really wanted to get off of their medications for depression and for bipolar and they wanted to do neurofeedback and it just took them strides ahead of where we had gotten just with nutrition. So it's definitely a way of really intensely changing things in the nervous system that um, really resolve things in a way that is a lot slower with, um, you know, just the traditional routes. So it doesn't necessarily need to be used just for different mental health issues. It can be used for a variety of uh, other conditions as well. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and like I said, I, I hate to say it's a panacea, but it, it really can work on so many things because essentially what it's doing is it's making a person better self-regulated. And it's really getting down into the nervous system of a person. And as you know, so many of the clients we see are like stuck in sympathetic on, like their adrenals are shot, they're stressed out. Um, and that's really stress is really underlying most chronic health conditions. And a lot of things start piling on that stress a person out, you know, heavy metals, um, poor diet, EMF, um, unresolved emotional traumas. There's so many things that just really start adding up and they take a toll on a person. And, you know, when you can build them up through their nutrition, that definitely helps. But sometimes you kind of, I have found like neurofeedback gives me a way to, in a sense, kind of reset their nervous system and help them to achieve a better, um, just a self-regulation. So are you using this on most of your clients? Cause I could see this being really effective if someone came in with say digestive issues and instead of just throwing a bunch of supplements at them to improve or help digestion to also do this in correspondence with that and try to rework the brain to be able to function the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Ideally I think I would love for everyone to do neurofeedback because everybody's got some kind of dysfunction going on in their brain. I mean, I've never mapped somebody who had a perfectly balanced brain. And so, um, yeah, it's, and it, one great thing about neurofeedback is it's not just to correct dysfunction, but it's also widely used for peak performance. Um, so there's a whole kind of other side of neurofeedback, which is, um, geared toward like, 
top athletes, executives, um, people, you know, artists, musicians, people who really want to tap into their creativity and um, kind of expand their self-awareness. And neurofeedback can do that as well. So it's got a lot of really broad applications. And, you know, usually the kind of the biggest things stopping um, people from doing it is it is a really big time and money commitment. Um, because you're training the brain, you're teaching it something new, you have to repeat um, the sessions so that the brain is learning. And, you know, so I don't do a mi- I don't do anything less than 20 sessions with um, someone, but most adults honestly need more than 20 sessions to really um, see the results that they want. But even with 20, people are seeing some pretty significant changes. So when you say 20 sessions, are these like 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour? Um, typically my clients who do neurofeedback are here with me for about an hour, but the actual training time is around 30 minutes. Um, I do some other kind of therapies with them prior to their neurofeedback session to kind of balance the vagal nerve and get them in a nice relaxed parasympathetic state. Cause I feel like they're a lot more receptive to the training when they're relaxed. Um, I have a microcurrent um, device that I use on the vagal nerve to kind of balance them beforehand. I use essential oils. I'll use flower essences. Um, kind of depends on what they're there for. Um, I had one guy that I worked with who had a lot of head injuries. He had been a rodeo rider and a motocross rider. And then he had a snowmobile hit him in the head when he was unloading it. And so he just had a bunch of <laughs> um, repetitive kind of subconcussive events. And he had a lot of kind of attention deficit symptoms, a lot of noise in his head. He couldn't focus, couldn't pay attention, very impulsive. Um, and like, and he was going through a divorce and he couldn't really understand why it was happening to him. And so when we, st- when I started working with him, I started him on some supplements to kind of work on the inflammation because he definitely had a lot of brain inflammation going on and some essential oils. I like using, um, the oils from Mio Energetics, um, John Chanos's oils. Those seem to be working really well for me with my clients. And with him, I did some, um, pulsed electromagnetic field on his head as well, which is really anti-inflammatory. And he noticed enormous changes within the first probably eight to 10 sessions. Um, some hearing loss that he had in his ear from a tire blowing up in his face started to resolve. He started to get his hearing back, his tinnitus reduced that had been in that ear. Um, he had, this is some of the weird things that happen with neurofeedback that I can't really explain. He had pain in a tooth that he couldn't chew on. And after, I think about eight sessions, he could chew on that tooth again, which I have no explanation for that. Um, But he just had such good results um, of quieting down his, his brain and being able to think clearly. And he's a really smart guy. He does, he like fixes things for a living and he never reads the instructions because he just figures it out. But he told me after about 15 sessions, he's like, you know what? I actually got the instructions out for this job I was doing, this system he was installing, he installs water systems. And he said, the instructions actually made sense to me for the first time in my life. And it probably saved me about 45 minutes on this job. Um, wow. And so it's it's really nice to see things like that happen to people. And he had a lot more clarity about like his relationship with 
his wife and why he was, you know, why his marriage was ending. And it just, it's been really satisfying to get these kind of results with people where they're really, it's changing their life. So do people get like a, uh, like a brain fatigue when they go through the neurofeedback? You mentioned it being like a boot camp. So is it actually like tiring? <laughs> yeah, it, it actually is. So usually people experience that the most in the first, I'd say one to three sessions. Um, it's pretty much equivalent to studying really hard for about four hours, a 30 minute session of neurofeedback is. So um, I've had a couple of people tell me they felt really scrambled afterwards and like they needed to sleep and it, that's just their brain is processing what it just learned. But usually just like with exercise, you know, you do it a few times, the fourth and fifth time isn't, you, you know what you're doing. And that's what the brain does in neurofeedback. So I, I kind of, I should probably explain a little bit about kind of the process of how the system is teaching the brain. Yeah, I was going to ask you what the m mapping process looks like. Well, the mapping process is just a way of measuring. And that is, um, I have this swim cap like, you know, cap that goes on the head and we squirt gel into holes um, on certain parts of the head and then we just do a recording of the electrical activity in that part of the head and then the, uh, my particular system I have all that information feeds into a database and then it's um, produced into a map that you know I can read so I'm not just reading raw data um, raw numbers um, but after we have the map then at the training session, um, once we know what the protocol is for this person, um, so let's say we're working with somebody who has um, ADD, which is a super common pattern I see, not just in kids, but in a lot of adults have this kind of brain fog, um, you know, a hard time with their memory, short-term memory, paying attention, impulsivity, things like that. And it, often they have just overpowered delta waves in the front part of their head. So delta is our slowest frequency band, and it should be really high when we're sleeping, but when we're awake, it should not be really high. So you can see the problem there. If you've got really high delta waves when you're awake, it's, it is hard to pay attention because that's sort of blocking you. And those people who have the really high delta tend to have really underpowered beta, which beta is your attention and focus wave. So like a typical protocol for somebody with attention deficit or brain fog is to encourage the power of the slower frequency bands to come down in power and to encourage the power of the beta band to come up. So and the particular system that I have, which is made by ClearMind, um, uses movies um, as the main form of treatment. So we pick a movie. Um, it doesn't really matter what the movie is, but I do make people pick ones that are kind of middle of the road, you know, not too violent, not sexual, not upsetting content-wise, because um, we are getting the brain in a very um, susceptible place, so we want good messages coming through. Um, but they just sit in a chair, they wear headphones. Um, my particular system also uses photo-optic entrainment, which is flashing glasses that we program different frequencies on each eye, and there's different colors of glasses depending on their protocol. Someone with like the ADD protocol would probably get yellow glasses because that's going to encourage blood flow to come up to the head. So a lot of people with that 
ADD pattern have a lot of inflammation in their head and they're not getting a lot of blood flow up there. Um, these are also people with leaky gut and food sensitivities and heavy metals. This kind of seems to go hand in hand. So their protocol, basically they just sit there and watch the movie and there's a filter over the movie that is responding directly to what's going on in their brain and they have sensors hooked onto their head that's picking up the electrical activity. So it's all output. We're not programming the brain to do anything. We're just picking up what's happening in the brain. It's going through the software and then it's feeding back to the person and teaching their brain what it's doing. So for someone with really high delta, let's say, when their delta shoots really high, that's not what we want. We want it to come down. The movie would disappear. It kind of fades out black and the sound also fades out. Then when their delta comes down in power, the movie comes back and the sound comes back. So on an unconscious level, their brain is starting to learn where the reward is and the movie is the reward. So it's a continuous for 30 minutes of this in and out, in and out, in and out. And the person gets kind of a little annoyed the first session. You know, they'll say, I can't hear what's going on. <laughs> and I'll be like, it's not about the movie. It's about your brain learning something. So just sit back and relax. Just watch the movie the best you can. And I'm observing what their brain waves are doing on my laptop, which is kind of behind them. And I can see if their brain is responding to the protocol, like if their delta is coming down in power. So are there specific movies for different types of brain waves or is a movie uh, generic? They pick movies. Like I have a bunch of movies to choose from, like Forrest Gump or <laughs> The Princess Bride. It doesn't really matter. It's just they pick a movie to watch. Um, I just make sure it's not, nothing too, you know, out of line. So they are real movies. I didn't know if they were like... They're real movies. Yeah, yeah they're not neurofeedback movies. They're they're just regular movies or TV shows. Okay, yeah. so it's a little bit more fun to watch the movies. Exactly. <laughs> so I actually have really high compliance with the people who do this because they're like, it's great. I just come, I watch a movie, and my brain learns something. Okay, so then... Um... When people start figuring out how to take control of their brain waves, then um, when do you know that the brain is ready to move on from the neurofeedback? Um, so like when we're within a certain protocol, it's typically eight to maybe 12 sessions on a protocol for their brain to get it. And so when I'm watching their brain on, on my computer, there's certain parameters I'm looking for on the graph. Um, you know, if their theta to beta ratio is coming down, um, it depends on what kind of protocol that they're doing of what I'm looking for, but I have ways of measuring and I like people to kind of get to what the point is of that protocol and then stay there for a few sessions just to ensure that the brain really gets it and isn't going to forget. And, and neurofeedback is really working on the operant conditioning principle of, reward. It's kind of similar to learning how to ride a bike. The first time you get on a bike, you fall. And the second time you get on a bike, you might fall again. About the third time your brain goes, wait, you're going to fall if you go that far. And so you go to the edge and maybe you fall again. Now the fourth time when you get on, you start to wobble and your brain goes, that's the edge, come back. And you come back to the center and then you learn where the edges are. And, and that's essentially 
what neurofeedback is teaching your brain is where the edges of a functional range for the certain frequency band is. And, and once your brain learns that, it stays there. And so in this way, neurofeedback can be permanent. You can permanently teach the brain a new pattern. It's often, though, when people ask me, is it permanent, I, I kind of say, well, it depends. It depends on what the source of the dysfunction is. If it was like a one-time car accident and you don't get in another car accident, then yeah, you, it can be permanent. But let's say it's coming from gut inflammation and you refuse to change your diet um, or it's heavy metals and you're not doing anything to work on that, then you could continue to need neurofeedback or you could have some regression. How many different brain waves are there? Well... There's the four main ones are the delta, theta, alpha, and beta. There's some controversy if there's really gamma waves or not. Um, but mainly those are the four that we're working with on neurofeedback. Are neurofeedback practitioners easy to find? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting industry. Um, it's unregulated. It's been... I'm actually in the middle of reading a book about the history of neurofeedback, and it kind of has a very interesting history um, of collaboration amongst a lot of different types of scientists and researchers, um, from psychology to um, psychiatry to people in more like the technical fields. Um, and it never really caught on with doctors, probably because it wasn't medical doctors who kind of started it. Um, and it's also really hard to do double-blind studies on, and there hasn't been a lot of money in it to do the kinds of studies that, you know, like our doctors have come to expect um, these millions and millions of dollars. So it's been kind of a collaboration of a lot of different people over many years that started in like the 60s. Um, and with recent technical advances, it's getting um, easier to do it, and the equipment's a lot better. So um, it's still mainly, though, a little bit on the edge. Um, it seems like more mental health people are using it than um, physical health, but it definitely has applications in both areas. And what a lot of people don't understand when it comes to studies is because people are so individualized, it can be really hard to um, replicate studies or replicate protocols with people and get the same results because everybody needs something different. That's true. And one of the other things that's hard to do is how do you do a placebo for neurofeedback, you know? True. Um, and so there's a lot of um, case studies out there, a lot of um, anecdotal stories um, in neurofeedback. And, you know, I have tons of my own. Um, not tons. I've been not doing it too long. But every single person that I've worked with in neurofeedback has had positive changes. They weren't always the thing they were hoping for. And that's one of the things um, it's kind of interesting and a little frustrating about neurofeedback is you can't pick what you're going to work on. You just work on what's most dysregulated in the brain, and then the brain reorganizes itself, and you kind of see what the outcome is. But what I've really noticed about the people who've done it is they just have a, a grounding. They become way more self-aware. Um, 
way better at self-regulation. They regulate their emotions better. They are less triggered. They seem to kind of see things coming in a way that they didn't see it before. And like they're less reactive and just a lot more sure of themselves. And it's almost like they know themselves better, if that makes sense. So one of the things I find interesting um, with your background and the neurofeedback is that you're able to um, look at a person and look at whether they have excess inflammation in the body or the brain and making sure that they're able to digest food. And I'm guessing that a lot of other neurofeedback practitioners are just looking at um, what is coming out on the brain mapping and not addressing the rest of this. So if someone isn't digesting food or they have all this inflammation in their brain, then they probably won't be able to get the results that they are hoping for because that part's not being addressed. True. And I think that's one um, advantage that some of the more functional health people who are doing neurofeedback have over, say, someone who's like just a psychologist. Um, because there's multiple reasons why people have dysregulated brain waves. And, you know, even like thyroid function, you can see that in the brain map. You can see when someone's hypothyroid from their underpowered brain map. And oftentimes, getting people a proper, not that I do the thyroid diagnosis, but encouraging someone to go and get, you know, their thyroid tested and possibly get on thyroid medication can make a huge difference in how well their brain works. Um, how, you know, how depressed they feel because depression is definitely a symptom of hypothyroidism. So it's definitely goes hand in hand, um, the physiology and the psychology. They're not separate at all. And looking at the body as a whole, not just separate entities. Right. <laughs> exactly. They're definitely um, feeding off of each other. So is there any more information you would like to give about neurofeedback? Um, well, one part of neurofeedback that's, and this is going back to kind of my personal, why did I get into this? <laughs> um, I think the one of Two of the underlying reasons I got into neurofeedback was um, I have my husband was a veteran in Iraq and he was he did like 22,000 convoy miles up in Kurdistan where there were IEDs on the roads every day. And so they never knew, you know, am I coming home today or not? So even though he did come home and he never got blown up, just that stress of being in the unknown and working like 18 hours a day for 18 months in a really high stress environment definitely took a toll on him and it's even though it's been 10 years um almost that he's been back he has not been the same person and i think that was really a, a really underlying thing as to why i got into neurofeedback was um to help him with ptsd and it has made a huge change in him really calmed him down um he was so reactive all the time, like hyper vigilant, would overreact to noises. You know, like if I caught him off guard in the house, he would, you know, just this overreaction and um, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration. And I've definitely noticed that neurofeedback has really, really helped him to deal with that post traumatic stress. Um, and so it's kind of become one of my passions is working with um, veterans and other people who've experienced trauma because it doesn't 
it really takes a toll on people that underlying stress, not only on their psychology, but also on their bodies. And neurofeedback is a way to really help the body just let go of that trauma because it gets down into the limbic system and the amygdala, which is trauma is not really rational. You can't talk to it. <laughs> this is the whole point of trauma is it doesn't make sense. It's the body being on like hyper alert all the time and not realizing the threat is over. And neurofeedback seems to be one of the um, ways that you can really help the brain kind of uncouple from the trauma and help the brain and body kind of disconnect from it and calm down from it. So that's kind of one underlying reason why I got into it. And then also to help my children who all seem to have ADD. <laughs> so it's definitely been helping with um, some of these things in my own um, family. So this is a really interesting topic, talking about PTSD and with a lot of the veterans. Have you noticed that um, your husband needs even more treatments and has to continue to do this? Or do you think this is something that... Um, after a certain number of times doing it, then his brain will be able to just work back, I don't know, the way that it used to, I guess? Well, I don't know if you ever get back to the way you used to be. Um, I think experiences like going to a war totally change you. But um, he's not done with treatment yet. Um, one of the things about neurofeedback is you can literally keep doing it for, like, a long time because even if you're not working on a dysfunction, you can be working on peak performance. Um, so it's almost like I, I jokingly asked uh, my mentor, who's, his name is Dr. Suter, like, how do you know when you're done with neurofeedback? And he said, well, when you feel really great or you're out of money. <laughs> so, um, which is sometimes like, well, if you want to do a lot, maybe you should learn how to get into it yourself. Um, but it, uh, I don't know. It's, it's So the kind of neurofeedback I've been doing with my husband for PTSD and with some other um, people that I'm working with who have either developmental trauma or, um, you know, war trauma, it's called alpha-theta training. And it's different. It doesn't use the movies. It's um, more deep states meditation. It's kind of teaching the brain where the alpha-theta crossover is, which is what people who are doing meditation are trying to find and it can and, and so meditation is probably as effective as neurofeedback it just takes a lot more effort and time so neurofeedback is a way to kind of do meditation on hyperdrive so i was going to ask if you take someone um that came back from a war and showed them a war type movie while you're mapping their brain uh, to see. Yeah, not a good idea. Well, I was wondering <laughs> if that would give you a really good insight into what's really stressed out, and then you could work from there. Yeah, um, I don't think you need to know exactly what themes stress people out. Um, you just, you know, train the brain to calm down. But I definitely noticed that with. Um, my husband, like the types of shows, he was very sensitive to the themes. And um, he actually really prefers the alpha theta training, which is just tones in the ears and you do it with the eyes closed. So it's no movies. Um, he's having a lot better results with that because it actually was upsetting to him to watch a lot of movies. Like we had to 
even <laughs> we were watching um, Downton Abbey and he didn't like that because of the classism in Downton Abbey between the working class and the upper class that bothered him and it it made it hard for him to get good brain training interesting yeah okay well so where can people find out more information about what you do with neurofeedback and how can people uh, get in contact with you to uh, get their own brains mapped um, well, if you're in Boise, Idaho, I'd love to help you. Um, one thing about neurofeedback is you do have to kind of do it in person. Um, so my website is katiepackwood.com and I do have information there about neurofeedback. Um, you know, I'll have to get you links. I don't have the websites like right in front of me of some just general information on neurofeedback, but there's quite a bit of good stuff on YouTube. And if you Google, um, neurofeedback, there's, a lot of good things out there. Yeah, and anything you um, want me to put up in the show notes, I'll put that in there as well so people can learn more. Are you on Facebook okay. or any social media? Uh, I'm on Facebook, and just my personal page, which I try to do a mix of personal and business, so okay. <laughs> I'm not too overboard on that, but yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming onto the show to talk about neurofeedback. It is a really interesting subject that I didn't know a whole lot about. So I, I feel yeah, like I didn't either. <laughs> I feel like I'm still on the tip of the iceberg of really figuring out everything it can do, but it's, I'm just so fascinated by it. I've seen such amazing things with the people I've worked with so far that it's really intriguing to me. And it's interesting because I feel like I hear more people talking about neurofeedback. So to see people actually working with it and have figured out a way how to map it and start creating protocols with it is really cool. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me on. This was fun. Yeah, of course. You can come on at any time. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Okay. Um, if you want to learn more about Katie Packwood, go to katiepackwood.com. She also has information on there about neurofeedback and how to get in contact with her. Um, if you are listening to this show and you really enjoyed it, then make sure you subscribe to whatever channel that you're listening to it on and send me your feedback. What do you guys want to hear? I would love to uh, bring people on that you guys want to hear and make this more about uh, what you all need for your own health journeys. So until next time, take care, everybody. You have been listening to the Summit for Wellness podcast. If you are ready to climb to the peak of your health, Visit summitforwellness.com for more information. As you continue on your journey, we hope that you will join us next time on the Summit for Wellness podcast.